number 12 is in. All right, guys, welcome to Cover One, the NFL Draft Podcast. I am Russell Brown, and alongside me, as always, Rhode Island's finest, Brad Kelly. Joining me, Brad, how we doing, man? Excellent. Uh, Celtics and Bruins are, are looking good, so New England sports are, are currently in, in great standing. Oh, well, screw your, your sports teams because I don't know what the playoffs are, but we are joined by two very special guests. Uh, Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation is joining us today. And also Mark Schofield joining us, um, who does Locked On Patriots and a bunch of great stuff over with Inside the Pylon. Uh, Mike, Mark, how we doing, fellas? Uh, the Super Bowl champs are going to go first. Sorry about that, Mark. But uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Can't wait to talk about some, uh, some Super Bowl champion Eagles uh, draft talk. Oh, he's going to be so much fun tonight. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just, I can't imagine a more enjoyable way to spend a Sunday night than to deal with Michael Kist. It's going to be great. i looking forward to this all weekend. But other than that, Brad, Russell, pleasure to be with you, gentlemen. Well, appreciate you joining us, guys. Uh, sorry, I kind of threw the welcome, how we doing, uh, directed to you both at the same time. But, uh, you know, we've been doing draft options over the last couple of weeks uh, regarding pretty much every team in the first round. And now we are getting into stuff with the final two teams left on our board, the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I feel like it's fitting to have you two uh, to talk about these te- these two teams, and especially with Brad here, who's also a Patriots fan. So it's just a bunch of Super Bowl champions on one side of the room and my losing self on the other side of the room. So it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to you guys talk about how you become successful uh, through the draft and also through you know key free agent acquisitions. So let's start with the New England Patriots at pick 31. They also now have pick 23. Um, Mark, what are some options that you think that they could be going to with, with pick 23 and pick 31? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the million dollar question right now, because anytime you see a team sort of acquire additional first round picks, move up in the first round, um, make any kind of move like that, your initial thought is that it's for a quarterback. You know, especially a team like New England, where everybody expects that at some point in this draft, they will address the quarterback position. They do need to prepare for life after Tom Brady. That window is closing. I expect him to have maybe two good seasons left in him. You know, maybe he'll prove me wrong, but still, they need to get ready for that day. They can't roll on thinking that Brian Hoyer is the answer there. (laughs) And so at 23, there's potential that... You know, they could see if somebody like a Mason Rudolph or is on the board there, or maybe a Lamar Jackson falls to that spot. Maybe there's some truth in the idea that they're going to try to get up a little bit if somebody falls. Maybe try to get to, you know, say 10 in that range, maybe even nine with San Francisco. If a guy like a Josh Rosen falls, who apparently they like a lot. But that being said, though, you know, in speaking with some people in and around Foxborough, you know, I've been told that while they do want to address quarterback, you know, they may go in a completely different direction. We all thought Kyle Lalletta, you know, maybe in the third round. They may even wait entirely and address it via, you know, a, a day three pick or even an undrafted free agent type and just say, look, you know, the board didn't fall the way we wanted to. We're going to address other needs. And so moving beyond quarterback, I think you think about guys like, you know, I, I look at the offensive line. I like the guys, Isaiah Wynn, Will Hernandez. I like those two guys. I think especially Wynn with his versatility up front, given the fact that they lost – Nate Solder, given the fact that Antonio Garcia is coming back, but with a collapsed lung, you do wonder about his strength, his endurance and condition. They could go tackle. People have mentioned Colton Miller. I think he's more of a developmental project. 
But if he's there at 31, I could see it, especially with Dante Skarnecki in the mix. Obviously, edge and linebacker, two positions they need to address as well. They need to get athletic, get a talent infusion at both of those spots on the defense. So, you know, at edge types, you think maybe a Sam Hubbard. You think maybe a Marcus Davenport. You look at linebacker, Leighton Vander Esch. If he falls, Rashawn Evans, an Alabama kid they like. You know, if they wait, maybe a more day two guy would be Fred Warner, the kid with BYU. Um, so there's a number of different directions they could go. They could also go corner. Yeah, I mean, they brought in Jason McCourty. You know, they, they still have Stephon Gilmore, but you want corner depth, you know, so they could address corner with a guy like Mike Hughes, Carlton Davis, the lawn kid from Auburn. So a number of directions they could go. Those are some names that I'd throw out here at the top. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think there's a ton of options that they could be going. I mean, moving up for a quarterback, it's very interesting um, because with, you know, pick 23, pick 31, they could certainly make that move uh, to somewhere into probably the the top 10, like you were saying. Um, And it seems certainly like they're going to be competing with other teams in the AFC East if Josh Rosen falls, because you talk about Miami and and Buffalo Bills. I mean, these are two teams that would probably be interested in his services. So I I think uh, moving up and getting that quarterback, especially if Rosen falls, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, What do you think of the the potential of, of maybe an Isaiah Oliver at pick 31 if they were to keep that pick? Yeah, I mean, Oliver makes a ton of sense too, Russell. That's a name that I should have probably included when I talked about corners because <laughs> – No worries. You know, he's another guy that I've seen, you know, mocked to New England. I've mocked him to New England at that pick. Um, so I do think that that would make a lot of sense too. I mean, you know, and the, the corners that we're talking about here, Oliver, Davis, you know, Hughes, they're more of a schematic fit. Um, for New England because they're better, you know, man corners. Um, I know people have thought, thought of a little bit about Joshua Jackson, the kid from Iowa, but he's more of a, corner, a zone guy. You know, New England doesn't play a ton of zone. They're more man, cover one team. Um, so I'm not sure about that schematic. But yeah, Oliver makes a ton of sense too. Um, they could go in a number of different directions. They could go tight end. I mean, we're here now that, you know, Gronkowski isn't going to participate in the sort of voluntary workouts that begin tomorrow. Again, we're recording this on Sunday night. So, you know, there's a potential that they're going to sit down and realize that we've got to prepare for life after Gronkowski. I'm sure he comes back. I'm sure this is contractual posturing, but Gronk might just have one contract left. He might be looking at getting ready for life after the game of football. And so, you know, whether it's at, you know, 31 or maybe even 43, if a guy like Mike Jacecki is there, it's a consideration. There's a number of different directions they could go. And this is a pretty sort of pivotal offseason for the New England Patriots, getting ready for life after Brady, getting ready for potentially life after Gronkowski. And there's other needs that they need to address on both sides of the football. Yeah, uh, so t- to touch on that, uh, when the when a Brandon Cook- Cooks trade happened, my initial thought was that, they're not necessarily moving up to to have a have a quarterback in mind. It was more so like the best deal that they could find. But now that they're in the situation where they could move up, that I think that becomes a, a bigger a bigger and like better option for them if a guy like Josh Rosen falls or Lamar Jackson becomes available in the teens. And to touch on some of the players that you mentioned, you know, my cornerback one is Isaiah Oliver. I'm a huge Isaiah Oliver fan. Um, and when it comes to the, the Patriots draft needs, my preference is a guy like Rashawn Evans at 23, and then hopefully they can get Oliver at 31. Uh, so kind of like strengthen the defense, strengthen that front seven, have a guy next to Dante Hightower when he comes back. You know, Van Noy can kind of be more of a, a sub-package type of player, and then, you know, you kind of go from there on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, those are all really good points. And, you know, I think the ultimate thing with this trade with Cooks, you know, it gives them a lot of flexibility, a lot of options now. You know, to have 23, to have 31, you know, they can move up if they want to. They can stay pat and addressing, you know, needs on either side of the football or both on offense, both on defense, however they want to do it, however the board falls to them, they could eventually move back down. 
you know, this is one of those drafts like many where, you know, maybe there's a talent drop off at some point, but you can accumulate a bunch of picks and say that, you know, 25 to 35, 45 range, you know, you could really get some impact day one type players that sure they aren't household names, but they will be by the time that rookie season is over because of what they can bring to you. So, you know, if, if you decide, Hey, you know, we're going to move 23 for an additional second and additional third or something like that, then you could be back in that range where you're going to get like a Dallas Goddard, you know, in the middle of the second round, you might get, you know, Mike, Mark Andrews, that tight end from Oklahoma later in the draft, you could do that. You could add some other guys like, you know, maybe a Dorrance Anderson, the, the, the edge from Kansas, if you want to wait on edge. And so there's a number of things they could do. It just gives them more flexibility. And the last time they had two first round draft picks like this, they actually moved up with both picks to get two defensive guys, Dante Hightower. And I, I believe that was the year they drafted Collins as well. So they Chandler, can do a number Chandler of things. Yeah. Jones, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's crazy to see that the New England Patriots, you know, they've got uh, f- four picks within the top 63 of the draft out of those 63. So, I mean, it's something that they don't have very often. And for them to, to have this flexibility and, and to be able to go out and acquire this many picks and, and then use them to, to add all the way across the board, it's going to be a lot of fun come draft night and through that three-day weekend. Um, but to a team that does not have four picks in the top 63, and this is not a shot because they are the reigning, defending, undisputed Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. They got pick 32. And, I mean, Mike, I know you're, you're sitting back just living in glory right now because your team, they did it. They got, they got the ring. What do they do at 32? Yeah, they could go a lot of different ways. So the, the Super Bowl champion Eagles have a tell. And that tell is what they do with their visits. And right now with their visits and their meetings and their interviews, everything is pointing towards running back, cornerback, and offensive tackle. Uh, Isaiah Oliver is a guy that they met with as well on an official visit. Darius Geis is being wined and dined. And apparently they really like him, but Howie Roseman doesn't believe he's going to be there. So there may be a potential to trade up there. If some trades happen before the draft, they give give them some extra draft capital, uh, give them the ammo to do that. You're also looking at offensive tackle. I don't think any of the offensive tackles worth a first-round pick are going to be there. I think Mike McGlinchey goes. I think, uh, thankfully, Colton Miller from UCLA goes before then because uh, he's, he's a bit of a project. Uh, we do have some time as far as developing those guys behind Jason Peters with Halepulivati Baitai in, in the depth chart. So there's that as well. They also have a type with cornerbacks where you're looking at guys like Mike Hughes, uh, guys that might project better into the slot but can still play a little bit outside. Jair Alexander is a guy that, that I really like there. Uh, so those would be the big names for me, Jair Alexander, uh, Darius Geis, and then uh, Connor Williams actually could fall to them there at 32. And I've heard people saying that they could trade back. I also think there's a potential that they could get sniped from behind them as well if they are looking at Geis because what you're looking at behind them, at 33, it's Cleveland. At 34, it's New York. At 35, it's Cleveland again. Then 36 and 37 are the Colts. 38 is Tampa Bay. 41 is Oakland. All of those teams are running back needy teams. Depending on how the beginning of the draft shakes out, they could jump in front of the Eagles and, and snipe Geis or someone like that that maybe they're looking at, maybe like a Ronald Jones. But there are a lot of different directions that this team could go. The immediate needs are nickel corner uh, as a starter. I don't think Jalen Mills is the answer there. They could possibly look at a second tight end, someone like a Dallas Goddard from South South Dakota State. They haven't really done too much with tight ends yet, and then offensive tackle. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, again, Super Bowl champions returning twenty out of twenty two starters. It's a pretty good position to be in, and pretty much anything is a luxury pick at this point. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I mean, you bring up the, the possibility of trading back. And I, I know you talked about potentially um, Ronald Jones is a fit there, maybe in the second round, if they move back, get a couple more picks. But let, let's just say they, you know, hypothetically speaking, they take a corner or an offensive tackle. Um, it, at pick 126, is, is there a potentially, you know, a fit for them at running back that you would think at, you know, 126, 128, uh, somewhere in those rounds where they could be looking at, at a running back? Is there one in, you know, later in the, you know, day three that you would like? Yeah, I don't know if it gets there, but I am in love with a with a couple of guys. The first one being Naeem Hines from NC State. He played wide receiver for the first year and a half of his playing time there. Uh, so he has that ability. I thought he was a better route runner than Jalen Samuels when they played together. Uh, so he has the ability to line out the slot. He's got return value, which we're looking for as well. Kenyon Barner has not been brought back. We don't know what's going on with Darren Sproles. So that could fill a couple of needs along with adding to that running back rotation, add some explosiveness, uh, a different type of back, but still can contribute in the receiving game is John Kelly from Tennessee who Alvin Kamara said runs through faces, and it's absolutely true. He's got one of the best stiff arms in the game. Uh, Had a good way in for him at 216. People thought he was lighter. His 10-yard split was good. Uh, The 40-yard, not so good. Long speed was never going to be his game. Doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle, but he's got a whole lot of uh, finishing ability in the open field. So those would be two guys that I would be targeting at running back at that point. Uh, As far as the other running backs go, um, and and looking past, you know, their first-round pick and and, and the fact that they have – Two picks in, the, in round four. Um, are there any other positions that you think that that they could, could they could be looking towards? Um, you know, after that first round pick, say they have that thirty second pick, they use it, and then they look into the fourth round. Uh, like, what positions do you think that they could really be eyeing? You know, in those middle rounds, and 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 you know, is is receiver a possibility? You know, they lost Torrey Smith. What do you, what do you think about those mid round picks? Yeah, receiver is weird because you have Matt Collins waiting in the wings. You just bring in Mike Wallace on a deal, so they got their burner type to replace Smith. Uh, I do still think it's a possibility. Cortland Sutton from SMU just said that the Eagles really liked him a lot. Obviously, he's not going to be around there in those later rounds. He may be the first wide receiver taken off the board. But as far as a position I know that they're really looking at, uh, and they need depth there, it's it's tight end, like I mentioned before. And there you're looking at a guy like uh, Dalton Schultz from Stanford, who I know that the Eagles tight end coach really likes. He's going to pound the table for him and Zach Ertz is going to be in his corner as well. A really good blocker, technically sound. Apparently, he wants to add some weight too, which is good because that was a deficiency that I saw on tape every now and then where you know he could get a, a beat by, by bigger guys, but he can seal the edge and do a lot of the different things and is a decent receiver. Uh, you're also looking at a guy like Derma Smythe, who's a really solid blocker. It's a project as a as a receiver, but brings a lot to the table. Uh, Ian Thomas is someone that they just had an official visit with as well. So he's a uh, my boy. Yeah, he he's got some serious upside, and I think it was Tony Pauline that said that he could be one of the best uh, tight ends in the draft in the next couple of years, as far as production wise, looking down the line. So tight end is is a big look for me, and then you're also looking at uh, safety would be another spot early. They could go with a guy like Justin Reed from Stanford, but later on you're looking at a guy like uh, Jeremy Reeves from South Alabama who balled out during the Senior Bowl, maybe a Trayvon Henderson from Hawaii. They're looking for that third safety spot and either a guy that can fill the Jenkins role or the or the McLeod role uh, down the line because I don't see my Rodney McLeod lasting more than uh, one year with that contract. Now, Mike, you brought up, you know, they're bringing back 20 out of 22 starters. So clearly there's not a ton of, you know, needs as far as starters go on this team, in my personal opinion. But um, how would you feel about them, you know, trading away some picks, including pick 32, maybe, you know, maybe pick 32, 126, and and maybe even a pick next year. I don't know what it would take to get the deal done. I don't have that trade value chart in front of me, and I don't know how truthful that chart is, to be honest. But if they were to move up into the draft, let's let's say, you know, 
Arizona, for an example, a team that they don't have a ton of picks. They could use some more picks. And let's say they're moving up to get a player like Darius Geis. Would that bother you as a fan of, of this team, as a guy that covers that team? Not really. I mean, if they really like a guy and they want to go get him, then I'm totally fine with it. But you, I think you do before that, you have to add other kinds of capital to even just get up to that spot to where you can move more than 10 spots in the first round to go get somebody. So that's going to include either a trade from Ronald Darby, maybe Michael Kendricks, maybe both to where you're looking at that cornerback group a little bit different after that. I think they've got some linebackers in place as it stands right now. I know they brought in Corey Nelson from Denver, who they promised more playing time that he could get in Denver. And I'm assuming he's going to be the replacement for Kendricks, but they're still looking at other linebackers in the draft. So that's got to happen first. And as long as that happens and they replace that capital, then you know I'd be fine with going up to get their guy, no question. Absolutely. 11 days away from the 2018 NFL draft. And it really all starts with the first pick of the draft, the quarterback position for the Cleveland Browns. That's kind of how this draft is, is going to determine itself. What happens within the top 10, top 15, how many quarterbacks go. And I want to shift this back over to Mark, who obviously has a ton of knowledge regarding the quarterback position. Mark, what are, what's your viewpoint as far as the quarterbacks as a whole and how do you see it playing out on the opening round? Well, overall, I think, you know, this is a pretty solid quarterback class. It obviously has some big names at the top of the draft board that we've all talked about ad nauseum over the past couple of months here. You know, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, you know, but I think it has some interest and depth to it as well. I think there are some guys in that day two, day three range that will certainly come in and be able to contribute in some way, shape or form to an NFL organization, whether it's eventually developing into starters or becoming long-term backup types. I think there are some, you know, real like UDFA types like Chad Kanoff from Princeton, Peter Pouillas from Holy Cross, um, some guys sort of in that range, you know, Alex Magoo, the kid from Florida International that are going to get some attention, that are going to make some noise as we get into sort of training camp time. You know, but when I sort of look at the sort of start of this draft and I look at Cleveland's options at one, having the entire board available to them, and I look at how they've sort of structured themselves schematically over the past, you know, couple of months here, adding Todd Haley, making, you know, a trade for Tyrod Taylor, who is a solid enough NFL quarterback where their rookie quarterback, whoever they draft at one, shouldn't have to see the field unless, you know, Hugh Jackson fears for his job. You know, I, I look at what, you know, Tyrod Taylor brings from a trade production standpoint and his ability to throw downfield, which he's kind of an underrated vertical passer. My anticipation is Cleveland's going to have a vertical element to their passing game. That's what Todd Haley likes to do. And I think, you know, while I look at Josh Rosen as perhaps the most scheme diverse guy in this group, you know, I really think it comes down to Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, which surprise, surprise, the two names we've seen most linked to the Cleveland Browns. And if it were me, and if that's the choice, Donald or Allen, it's Donald, you know, because I'm not making the bet on Josh Allen, who has some nice traits, can do some things, obviously impressive with his arm, very athletic kid, but it's a real big, you know, it's real small needle there, a thread, seeing him become sort of a viable NFL starting quarterback, given the sort of what we've seen on him from film, you know, over the course of the past two seasons given the fact that he hasn't really sort of developed the other stuff that you need to do other than throwing the ball hard and fast and long. And the fact that, look, there aren't many quarterbacks that sort of fit his statistical profile dating back to junior college that have panned out in the National Football League. And so when you couple that with the fact that, as I said, if he's forced into action early, like he might be if they start 0-4, it's just a bad spot. So if it's me and those are the two choices, I'm going with Sam Darnold. But, you know, luckily I'm not a fan of the Cleveland Browns. I'm a fan (laughs) of the five-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots, so I don't have to worry too much about that one. Mark, uh, I want to ask you, 
So say Donald is a number one, is a number one overall pick. If the Giants go quarterback, who is the proper fit for that offense? Who do you think it would be? And how do you think it affects, you know, uh, the quarterback team fits from there on out? You know, surprisingly, Brad, you know, when I look at, you know, you look at Pat Schumer offensively, obviously he's more, he's more in that West coast coaching tree, but you know, the offense that he was running with Minnesota last year still had some of that Norv Turner influence on it. It still had some of those vertical elements to it. And there were also, at least according to the PFFs chart, and the number two team in play action pass and usage. You know, they did a lot of stuff in the vertical passing game off of play action. And while I think, yeah, if it were me, I think Rosen would be a great fit for that. They might think Josh Allen surprisingly enough. And that's a link that we haven't seen too much because I think people assume that, you know, if the Giants go quarterback and more likely it's going to be Darnold if he's there. If not, they'll address another position. But I think Rosen and Allen would be interesting fits there. I think at three, I would be stunned if it's not Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think the fit makes so much sense for the Jets given what they've done offensively. You know, and Robert Klemko over at Monday Morning Quarterback has basically said, you know, I, for reasons I won't say until after the draft, I think it's the Jets at three for Baker, and he's been following Baker the entire way. And, and so say that's the board. Say it's Donald at one, you know, we'll say Allen at two, Baker at three. Then if you're Cleveland, you're basically just, you know, holding a lottery, you know, at that point, you know, an auction for that pick and Josh Rosen. And maybe Rosen is the guy that falls. I mean, we've heard that intimated a couple of, you know, a lot throughout this draft process that if there's a quarterback that falls, it's going to be Josh Rosen. Maybe it's him and maybe that brings into the place the scenario that we talked about at the outset. The, you know, the five-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, might be able to get up and get Josh Rosen. Um, so, Mike, Michael, as far <laughs> as trading uh, Nick Foles goes in the quarterback situation in, in Philly, how does that – how would he – you know, him trading him affect their draft plans? Could they be looking at a quarterback later in the draft? Uh, and, and, like, what do you think that a possible trade for Nick Foles could be? Yeah, they really haven't done a lot of vetting of quarterbacks. I think they plan on holding on to Nick Foles considering what they were offered wasn't matching what they wanted to move on from him. You think about the Carson Wentz injury, and I think it's tied to that recovery. You won't know more about that recovery until the summer. These teams that trade for a quarterback want to have the, have them in early, have them in for OTAs, training camps, all that good stuff, and that's just not going to happen with this current situation. There was a lot of smoke about this this staff loving Nate Sudfeld. I don't know how true that is or how much they love him this year, or rather his three year, four year projection. You know, down the line being a being a serviceable a serviceable backup that can come in and spot start. Uh, it would take probably a late first round pick to move him. Maybe something like the Jacksonville Jaguars shock the world and, and do that. Or they shock the world and take Mason Rudolph at the end of the first because the NFL draft is weird. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't see them moving on from Foles right now. I don't think the offers are going to be good enough. If they, and if they did, it would have to be late first round. I, and again, they haven't vetted quarterbacks very much in this pre-draft process, and they usually have to tell with that. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be doing their homework heavily if that was something in the works. And I, I have one last question for Mark, going back to the New England Patriots. Uh, as far as the wide receiver room goes, uh, you know, it's, it's incredibly deep at the moment. They have a ton of guys. They brought in a few guys this offseason uh, on, top, on top of players that they brought in last year, like Philip Dorsett. Uh, Kenny Britt, you know, they added Cordero Patterson, you know, uh, they added Jordan Matthews. They already have Edelman coming back. They have Hogan coming back. Uh, they got rid of Amendola. They have Mitchell coming back. What is your take on, on their, on their depth there? And is that a possible position that they could, that they could try to find uh, a player in the draft and, and who kind of gets a short end of the stick in that situation? 
Yeah, I mean, it, you're right, Brad. It's such a strange wide receiver room right now because you look at them right now and you think, okay, your three starters are probably Jordan Matthews, Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman. You're getting Malcolm Mitchell back. back. You're bringing Kenny Britt back. You've added Cordell Patterson, who I think they're going to use more as a special teamer. You know, they'll have some packages for him. It wouldn't surprise me to see them use him almost as a running back at times. You know, you've got Philip Dorsett. You know, so I think, you know, there's depth there, but there are some, you know, warning spots. It's like, you know, owning a home and every time it rains, you know, you get this one little spot in your house where you get some, you know, water coming in from the roof because it doesn't need a full sort of repair right now, but there's a weak spot there that you want to address sooner rather than later. And that's the slot position. I mean, they lose, you know, they lose Amendola. You've got Edelman coming off of injury, but he's getting into that sort of age frame right now where – is around the time when they lost Welker to injury. You know, I'm not sure Philip Dorsett is going to be the long-term answer there. So I've thought long and hard that, you know, they might look f- later in the draft for a potential slot guy. And, you know, the name I keep coming back to is Braxton Barrios, the kid from Miami. Uh, I just think he sort of screams Patriot. And, you know, every time I do a sort of mock draft for New England, you know, he's on the board there, that first pick of the seventh round. I'm just like, well, this is the sort of perfect spot, Right. You know, so I, I think that they won't need a guy to come and play right away, but I think Berrios could, you know, come in, give them some slot reps, you know, keep Edelman somewhat on a pitch count like they kind of did with Amendola to a certain extent last year, do some special team stuff for them. You know, and at some point if they have to move on from Edelman, you know, they might have their next slot guy in place. It's funny. I was actually finishing up my Braxton Berrios grade right before we started this podcast. Uh, there you go. Yeah. but Small white receivers. There you, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on Richie James as a possible fit uh, in the Patriots' offense and his versatility and how they would value that? Yeah, I mean, you know, if I had to sort of you know look at guys that I would love to see New England get at the wide receiver spot, James would be in that mix as well as Deshaun Hamilton. I mean, those are two guys that I think the five times Super Bowl winning New England Patriots <laughs> would love to have on their roster, and I think James would be a tremendous fit. You know, when, when I was studying stock, still the, the quarterback from NTSU. I've um, got a chance to watch James a lot. I, th- I think he's a nice receiver and a nice sort of diverse skill set. You know, so I think he would be a good fit. Obviously, Deshaun Hamilton is a, a tremendous talent. Got the same in person, both at the Senior Bowl and when uh, Penn State hosted Indiana. You know, I think those guys would be great, but it would surprise me to see, you know, given their current you know, stable of wide receivers that they use a pick earlier in the draft, where I think at least Hamilton might go early. They could probably get James day three, but I, I just keep coming back to Barrios, man, with that seventh round pick. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, really appreciate all the great insight regarding your two franchises from the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. Mark, where can we find you on Twitter? Easiest place is Twitter, like you said, my friend. And thanks to uh, both you, uh, Russell, and Brad for having me on to, to talk about the five-time Super Bowl winning champion, New England Patriots. You can find me on Twitter at Mark Schoolfield. Most of the time I'm making fun of Michael for his horrific, horrific takes as well as his poor, poor play on Battlefield 1 where he's just uh, – he's losing it, man. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's I'm trying to play Fortnite or what, but he's just losing. But, yeah, our, at Mark Schofield on Twitter, um, the work over at Inside the Pylon, the work recently over at Pro Football Weekly, um, Locked on Patriots. You, yeah. All over the place. Fine. All over the place, man. Guys, definitely follow Mark on Twitter. It's definitely well worth it. And, Michael, where can we find you, my friend? 
Yeah, it's interesting. You can find me on Xbox One, but you can't find Mark because he's in private mode and has <laughs> just doesn't want that work. So, I mean, you you can also find me talking about the current reigning Super Bowl Eagle, uh, Super Bowl champion Eagles <laughs> on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. I also write about the Super Bowl champion Eagles for BleedingGreenNation.com, and I talk about the Super Bowl champion winning Eagles at BGN Radio, uh, BGN underscore Radio. So you can find me in all those spots. Also, uh, InsideThePylon.com, where I might drop some Exynos stuff about the Super Bowl champion Eagles as well. Guys, these are must-follows for your draft needs and all your football needs. As for Brad Kelly, you can find him on Twitter at BradKelly17. You got me at Russ NFL Draft. This is Cover One, the NFL Draft Podcast.